Hey guys, welcome to the self-evident podcast. It is, what is it? It's going to be Wednesday morning when this airs. Uh, we had to do a pre-record because guess what? Right now, Massey and I are on a plane to California. So send your prayers. We are heading out to the homeschool convention. So if you are in California, if you're in Ontario, California, if you're in the area, come on out. Heck, if you're in Florida and you feel like taking a drive or a flight, come on out, visit us at the homeschool convention. We will be there all weekend. Massey will be speaking. I will be uh, slinging t-shirts at the, at the counter. So come up, say hi. We love talking to you guys. We love interacting with you. Don't forget to go to the self Check out our blog section. There is a blog section up there. Now uh, we've got a couple of contributors, yours truly being one of them. And uh, actually we just put one up about Elon Musk. So Elijah, I, I wanted you to read it because I wanted to get your opinion. Did you ever end up reading it or no? Uh, I did not. Yeah, not lazy. That's it. You don't get paid for today. I'm, I'm, That's fine. I'm leaving a note. <laughs> um, you may notice Massey is not here again. He is uh, out for a couple of days, but he will be back with us the next time we record. We are going to do a replay of a pertinent episode on Friday. Um, that one will get released, and then that one will play Saturday as well. However, today, you may have noticed that we've been doing a bit of a series about masculinity, manhood, men stuff, because it's, it's talked about, but it needs to be talked about, taught, and implemented so much more than it is. And we, this morning I was working out and this was my mistake, right? Was listening to news stuff and commentators while I'm working out. I, I, normally I don't do that. And I noticed my workout was just not nearly as good because I was getting, you would think the anger and frustration of what's going on in America would, would but honestly, like, there's almost a depression that sets in. Um, but the, it, it was revolving around the, the social war, the culture war. And it was very much revolving around this, this whole transgender stuff and all of that. And I, what frustrates me so much and, and disheartens me is that our, our young men are not being trained how to be men. And actively, there's this push against them to become young men, to become men, to become adults, to put off the childish things. So you may remember our first uh, installment of this series, we did the three P's. Okay. We, we did protect, provide, and procreate. If you remember procreate is, is that idea of blessing of, of multiplying, right? One of the original commands of God in the garden of Eden. And then we had Jonathan Rios on, which that was awesome. Uh, I, I, I love sitting down with Rios. He's, he's a friend of ours. And today we have a man that, uh, is named Toby Levine. He retired from 30 years as a CEO to address the massive gap between what our approach to education teaches and what the real world of adulthood and work require. And if you think about it, there is such that massive gap between reality and what our school systems are teaching, right? He's written three books on the subject. So you know, he works hard, including his most recent, Freedom Sense, A Plan to Forge Remarkable Children and Save America. Toby is a born fighter who foresaw America's unraveling at the hands of an education system that only addresses half of what students need to succeed in adulthood. His fierce commitment to isolating the missing half and developing a solution led to an impossibly long list of adventures, experiments, successes, and failures. Four decades later, Toby has developed the Freedom Up School, 
a revolutionary way to fill the void in our children's preparation so students learn what success actually is and how to earn it. So let's go ahead and bring him in. Okay, can you hear me, brother? Yes, I can. I'm sorry. Oh, no worries. So what time is it there right now? Uh, almost 5.30. There we go. See, I, I want you guys to hear that. And, and Toby and I were actually, we were emailing back and forth. What time do you usually get up, man? You know, honestly, at least four. Uh, this morning was closer to three. Um, I just naturally wake up early. Yeah. What's your, what's your morning routine? Um, get a glass of water and take a couple of vitamins and walk across the, over to my barn to where my office is. And then I'm in my office. <laughs> and, and let's, let's tell people, where do you live? Cause you live in a pretty majestic place. We do. Um, we live in uh, Northwest Wyoming, just on the edge of the Yellowstone national park. The, the, the largest wilderness in the lower 48 right here. I mean, we literally have grizzlies come through our property. Oh, that's so awesome. I, I remember we were talking at the, the homeschool convention and just, I, I love, I'm, I'm living vicariously through you right now because I, I love the scenario that you're in, you know, out in the wilderness, you're, you're on your own massive property, you're doing your own thing, you know, and just that's, there, there's something, uh, uh, I don't even want to use the ro word romantic because that's that, that, that a whole wrong connotation, but there's something just deeply innate in a lot of us of what you're doing. You're fulfilling that, you know, it's I, very, very great. Amen. And so I, let's connect to that idea of grounding because in your bio, um, there's this discussion of education and, and there's a reality of the work world, a grounding, a, a accurate representation of what it means to work and, and move through life. And especially in the context of men, boys growing into men. Um, but it's not that girls can't use this information as well, but the, obviously our focus right now is more in the realm of men and masculinity and that kind of thing. Um, so, on the topics, uh, when you and I were discussing, one of the things that you had mentioned that, that you're passionate about is there's this, this conspicuous absence of male energy in the educating space. Uh, how did you start to recognize that? And, and what kind of led you down the path of recognizing this as a major issue? Well, that's a good question. Um, I'm not sure when I no first noticed the, um, the lack of male energy, at least consciously. It's probably fairly recent, but I have a, <clears throat> a diagram that I draw. If you picture like, you know how like the scale of justice, right? That you picture that with the, the two sides. Yeah. And if you go back in our time, we used to have this very real world education and kids kind of didn't get much academic, right? But kids were right. doing incredible things at a young age. And you fast forward to today and it's exactly the opposite. It's all academic and no real world. And I really think of those two things generally as masculine and feminine. Um, you know, I, when I think of academic, I, you know, we look at our education system, I believe it's, you know, nearly 70% plus female. Um, and I think the homeschooling space is the same, right? Um, maybe even more so. And, you know, I just picture my wife with our little girls in her lap reading them books when they were little and just how perfect of a teaching scenario that was <laughs> and then i picture as they age up how i've increasingly stepped in um and showed them 
other parts of life. And, and I think that whole sort of husband wife partnership is, is this sort of soft and hard, um, <laughs> uh, balance. Yeah. Right? And, um, so, you know, when I look at how our education system evolved, we've really learned to delegate the education and leadership of our children to the government schools. And so when I look at homeschooling, they've, they've taken their kids out of that system, but they're still replicating the, the energy of it all. Yeah. Um, mom is still the predominant teacher the vast majority of the time. And when I was at, that was the first homeschool show I was at, the one that I met, where we met. And to me, it was, it might be 90 plus percent female. Would, would you it, say it? Yeah, that's, that's probably accurate. Yeah. Um, and, and to go along with that, you know, I, had, I think I had mentioned in our, our emailing that, that we even had a homeschool convention approach us about, Hey, we want to get a, a, a men's track started on this whole thing, which I thought was a great idea. And, and unfortunately it, it kind of fell through and I would love to see um, homeschool conventions really put together this idea that men are, are vital in the homeschooling sphere and men should be involved in the whole homeschooling situation, you know, um, and, and I'm with you. I noticed that 90, that 90% thing too. And, and Hey, more power to the 10% of men that were there that, that, you know, they could get work off. They could do what they needed to do. They were there with their families, you know, more power to them. But, yes. And so it's, it's, one thing that I, I want to step back a little bit. So 30 years as a CEO, wh what were you doing and, and how did that uh, help inspire you towards this next step in your life's journey and your life's purpose? Right. Well, um, my first company um, was a relatively small company when I purchased it, you know, and, um, but over the course of a decade, we turned it into a pretty big company, 24, 7, 365. We had approaching a couple hundred employees. Huh. Uh, kind of in conjunction with that, that kind of led me to found another company. Then we ended up with a team of, I don't know, about 40 or so. Um, so throughout my career, I'm just a natural coach. Right. I mean, I want people to find their groove because that's what's best for the business and what's best for the individual. Um, I'm just passionate about figuring out awesome ways to serve and help people find what's great about themselves and, and, and thrive using it. So I've just was a voracious consumer of everything to do with personal and professional development, every book I could get my hands on. And I was trying, you know, my poor employees were always my guinea pigs, uh, <laughs> you know, and a lot of it's garbage, honestly. Um, mm -hmm. I, I kissed a lot of frogs before I found some, you know, some what I would consider to be timeless, immutable truths, not yeah. just top 10 fad stuff. And um, in it, it, especially my last leadership experience, which ended two years ago, um, I got the millennial wake up. Um, hmm. I, I hadn't really seen it to this degree. Um, I did extensive recruiting for, you know, fantastic positions, dream jobs um, that had to do with marketing, sales, um, social media, video. 
I held tryouts. I mean, I, I, you should see the numbers in the funnel of the people that looked at this and how, how they reacted to this opportunity. Um, it was demoralizing. I mean, <laughs> everything you could read about an interview of what a millennial says they want to do, this job was it. I mean, direct <laughs> access to the CEO. It was like, I even advertised it. It's like, this is a three-year paid MBA on the job. Wow. And yeah. The compensation was good. There was, uh, I took him to dinner every single Wednesday night where we had a mentorship thing. I mean, and it, it's, despite being, they're good kids, but they were seriously, seriously broken. And, um, I discovered from that that I could not I couldn't move these kids at 25 and that's when I just kind of said, you know, my wife and I had a big conversation it was like we've got to go back to like 12. We've yeah. got to get them before this happens. Yeah. And and, and, I, and so people know cuz I know college is a big issue around all of this. They all went to college, good colleges, good students athletes, extracurriculars, the whole nine yards. And I saw remarkable potential in all of them. And I told them what it was and I tried to show them, but you cannot, you can bring a horse to water drink, right? It, right. It was awful. And that's, you know, it's, it's tough when, when you're working, whether a ministry or a corporation or, or, or whatever, you know, you see potential in people, but people have to see the potential in themselves. And it, it's, it is a very demoralizing process. If, if you see this potential and you're pouring into somebody and, and they, it, it's just not connecting. And a lot of it has to do with how, especially the millennial generation was raised, you know, the, the generation after them. And, you know, this, this, I, I appreciate that you and your wife had that long conversation and said, look, we gotta, we gotta go younger. Um, because, there are, there are other movements with other systems and beliefs that, that recognize that as well. Like you got to get them young and it's, it's unfortunate the state of things because I think we all got comfortable and, and we all got comfortable in, in life and we figure out, ah, well, autopilot is the best way to go. And, and we look at, at creature comforts. We look at, at, you know, the consolidation of cities and all of that, you know, and, and, yeah, one thing that you had you were talking about that sparked something in me th this idea of like on the job, you know, a uh, real life education. It, and you think back a couple hundred years, the boys weren't in school all that much because they were out in the fields with dad, that they were they were helping their father in, in his trade, they were learning on the job skills, they were learning real life business. And, and we've lost that because we've shoved them into this feminized system of education where sit down, you're, you're seven years old and you need to sit down for eight hours and hear somebody drone on about stuff you don't care about. And, and I, my boy is five years old and my wife and I are, are already homeschooling him because we know he would not do well <laughs> for eight hours sitting in a desk. You know, it just won't work for him. I, I really struggled. I had a miserable school experience. And same here, man. I, I hated every minute of school 
I actually ended up becoming a teacher because yeah, you know, the, the whole college thing, uh, I will say it was probably, and people kind of kick me for this, but they got to hear what I'm saying. It's one of my biggest regrets because I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I had bought into the whole, well, you have to go to college. You have to get a degree. So I got an English degree. And what do you do with an English degree? Teach. So I was like, okay, I guess I, I, at some point I'll, I'll become a teacher. And I finally became a teacher and it lasted a year, unfortunately. Um, and, and there were, there were extraneous circumstances. Somebody got involved in the school that, that, really should not have gotten involved in and kind of tore the thing apart from inside out. It was a small Christian school. And I, I probably would have lasted longer if that situation had not have happened, but it was, it was demoralizing to see so few men in there. And even of the men, <laughs> very few um, fully developed masculine men. Right. It, it's, right. it's just not a scenario for men. Um, so this, this turns to what, what's your solution to it? How, how have you seen the problem and, and how are you bringing a solution to the whole scenario? Well, I mean, well, I mean in, you know, real logistical terms, we're creating a real world education. Um, but I'd like to back up if we, if we can, sure. because I think what we need to do is, before you design a solution, you need to figure out what's the target. Like, where am I trying to go? Yeah. And, and you had said something about raising remarkable young men. And the first thing that kids are taught to me in the education system, if I had to sum it up, it's that you're not enough and there isn't enough. Yeah. I mean, the school system and all of the main ways of getting identity and recognition in it, it's like a musical chairs game. And kids are basically told, this is how life's going to be, folks. There's, you know, always going to be someone who doesn't get a chair. And that's just not the, God, that's not the, that's not the game that God built. Right. Uh, everybody has remarkable in them to be of service to others. I mean, I, I can't tell you why someone ends up being, um, you know, a rancher next door the name of Ken Han that's remarkable people I've ever met driving a 40 year old rusted pickup truck or why someone becomes Elon Musk. But I can tell you that Kenny's one of the happiest, most well-grounded godly men I've ever met. Amen. And he loves his life. Yeah. And so there's room out there for everyone to have life, but you have to first understand that your job is not to go out into the world to get something. It's to go out into the world to give something to become remarkable. When you become remarkable, people tell stories about you. You get opportunities. People tap you on the shoulder. Um, I have, uh, I have, it's not a great word, but great, you know, remarkable employees before. I've, you know, that right. was young out of college, only been doing something for a couple of years. I'm seeing them across the counter or whatever. I have recruited people out of their jobs. Uh, yeah. Um, it because, you know, they were doing job and it was clear where they were was a dead end full attitude, even though, and experience is important, but anybody can, I mean, experience is just getting up every morning and skills is just going through some basic training, but the real differentiator is how you bring yourself to work and are you growing and are you thinking about your teammates and the customer and constantly, I mean, that, or are you just trying to get it over with? 
And so when I look at young kids growing up, we, they all want to have some sort of identity, right? I mean, that's what social media is about. That's what wearing this brand sneakers about. That's right. I mean, everybody's just desperately grasping for, you know, maybe if I get the right haircut, the, the right piercing, the right friend, the right something, you know, people will pay attention to me. We all want to feel valued. We want to feel important. And that's why kids start looking when they don't know how to do it productively, they start doing it really unproductively. And that's, you know, this transgender movement, you just basically introduce to every high school in America, a whole new click. You basically mm -hmm. said, guess what, kids, I got a whole new marketing idea for you. If you just start expressing the idea that you doubt your gender and start acting out, start dressing up and doing all of this crazy behavior, we'll have a party for you. I mean, we'll set aside, we'll, we'll stop the whole show just for you. We'll create a special closet for you to come in and change. We'll get special counselors. You'll get a new name. I mean, forget all the immorality of it for just a second. What we've just done is hungled, you know, hung a piece of meat, identity meat in front of kids that are desperate, desperate, desperate for identity. Right. That's, that's a good way to describe it. I've never thought about it that way is it's identity marketing. Um, and there, there is scientific proof through the stats that transgender identification is increasing uh, exponentially right wow. now. And, and you can't say that it's not a social construct, um, a, a social influence, because you get these high schoolers and these middle schoolers who... They want to fit in. And when everybody is saying, oh, you're so stunning and brave because you, you've decided that you're another gender, now all of a sudden you've marketed this to impressionable, pained, empty kids who, who just want to belong and fit and have an identity. And guess what? When they see everybody clapping for the person who changed genders, it becomes something that, that they're like, oh, I want that. I can be a part of that. Yeah, and, and that's a great way to put it is it really has become marketing, identity marketing. And, right. and so right. I, I hear what you're saying. Like we've, we've got to install um, in these new generations the real identity that God has produced in them and, and helping them find that, you know. Right, and so that's the... You know, there's a there's an acronym I used, IBARC. <laughs> and so we're all around certain influences, right? And we determine that some of them are the most important to listen to, whether it's mom, dad, grandpa, neighbor, whoever, pastor. And then we adopt beliefs based on that influence group. And those beliefs dictate our actions. Those actions dictate our results. And those results have consequences on our freedom, prosperity, and happiness. So you have to go all the way back to the I in that formula of influence, who you hang around, what you immerse yourself in is it's essential. I mean, there's a reason why Olympic hopefuls go to the Olympic training center. I mean, right. I want to be around, you know, the best curriculum, you know, the best absolute thinking there is in whatever sport I'm going after. I want to be around the best coaches. I want to be around the best athletes. And I want to have the highest quality possible practice and training. And that's how we've modeled our school, right? 
developed the best curriculum possible, given them, you know, fantastic guidance, uh, an exceptional peer group, because everyone that comes in is going to have to uh, agree to our, our code, our creed, and our statement of faith. So, and, and, and sign up for a program that includes work, by the way, because right. you have to have a time job. And that's what, that's the clay you're going to use to implement what we teach. You're going to go to work and you're going to try it. Go do a shift. Let's come back. What did you learn? Rinse and repeat. And right. I want to get them addicted to the feeling of feeling valuable and appreciated and useful and to just be hungry. And that's, it, I love that model because that, that model is, is activation. Um, it's, I get this image of there, there can be two people, both of them with an insane wealth of knowledge. And one of them is, is hunched over in an office full of books and, and just his nose in the books. And you can tell that it's almost like he's oppressed by the intelligence. Um, and, and I just picture the old curmudgeon professor, right. You know, just hunched down looking through the books. And then there's somebody else who's just as intelligent, just as wise, but they're, they're full of vibrance. They're out in the world. They're energetic. They're doing, they're producing, right? And that's the difference between just taking on knowledge and activation and experience and learning and growing through wisdom, right? And, and it's so important to start training our next generations of what it means, not just to work for work's sake, because immediately people get the Puritan mindset. Oh, well, you know, you just want to toil and slave and, and, you know, ground yourself to dust uh, back to the factory. No, it's, it's, there is value and fulfillment in understanding what work does, what it produces and, and being able to pursue that properly. Um, and there is, is fulfillment in activation because what you're really doing is when you're activating, you're fulfilling your purpose that the Lord gave you, you know, and, and one of the things that, that I, I want to touch on in this whole, and I want you to get specific. So you get a young man who, who wants to enroll in the school, kind of take me through like specifically with that young man, a uh, young man, a uh, we'll call him Aaron. How do you walk Aaron from, from step one and, and how do you move him through the development so that when, when he is 18, he, you know, 19, whatever he is, he is well on his way. It's kind of that process. That's a great question. So our, our school is our in school is So, so it's on the phone because every kid's got a phone or an iPad these days. Of course, right? And that phone that contains what I call bite-sized video lessons. Um, there's an orientation course that, be, that starts it all out because I've got to lay the groundwork of how God's game of life and work works. Mm -hmm. um, you know, kids know how to play sports and so do adults. Like they, like they know on the soccer field, they know the, 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 the guidelines, the positions, the... The, the rules, the scoring, the opponent, they know all this cold, but we don't know nearly as much about how life and work after school works as we do about soccer or baseball or anything else. So mm -hmm. I've got to first show them the game. Like I've got to actually show them like, cause no one ever stopped and sat me down and said, 
let's step back and let's look at exactly what's going on. Why are all these people running back and forth? What's going on in that expressway? What's happening in those buildings? How does this all connect? And, you know, what are people really after? And uh, by the way, it's identity, spoiler alert. Everybody <laughs> wants, it. seriously, everything we do from the moment we get up to the moment we go to bed is about identity. And as soon as kids understand that that's the game, then you can say, all right, well, there are two ways to get identity in this world. You can go try to be famous by, for being famous by, you know, pursuing that transgender thing, for instance. Just walk in one day and say, my name's America, girl, your hair purple or whatever the heck they do. Um, it's not going to get you freedom. It's not going to get you prosperity. It's not going to get you long-term respect and friendship, but that's an option. Just going to let you know. The other one is increase your identity by increasing the ideas, right? Figure out how to help people. That's all we want. When we find people that can help us, we don't let them go. We keep coming back and we tell stories and it's really not that complicated. And people say, well, but how do you grow your career and all this other stuff? It's like, yeah, you're going to learn skills along the way because you're going to realize that because of what I do, I ought to get better at this. And you will want to because it fits you. And step by step, your life will unfold and opportunities will come towards you. But if you believe that freedom is the absence of responsibility, the avoidance of obligation, um, you're going to go in the exact opposite direction and you're right. going to be miserable. Um, freedom's actually the presence of opportunity and those opportunities come up as a result of being of service, right? So I'm going to show the, that Aaron that that's the game and he's going to have a part-time job and there's weekly coaching, um, you know, live coaching kind of like we're doing right now, but then also recorded. Yeah. And there's a social feed in there, which is a private social network just for these kids. There's going to be um, weekly challenges and contests, monthly training themes. But the idea is just in time, basically coaching and mentorship. You know, I, for me to really help Aaron, Aaron's going to have to lean in and say, hey, this is what's going on at my shift, right? I've got a difficult coworker. I've got a boss that's asking me this. I've got maybe, you know, great. Now let's talk about it. It's the exact same thing we do in sports. I mean, you start out by putting kids on the field and showing it to them. And then after the game, you look at the game field and have a conversation. All right, well, what do you think happened there? And that's when the coach can start to say, okay, great. Now that we all understand that, let's look at how we could have done that differently and how we should do it differently in the future. Oh, I get it. And if we did that, maybe we would have scored the goal and prevented their goal and we'd have won. Exactly. Hmm. That's, and that approach is, is revolutionary compared to the, the current education system. Current education system is all... Uh, rote memorization at this point, right? You, you just take in the fact, you spit them back out on the test. What I, I find fascinating about this is here's, here's a great example of, of this idea. Everybody knows that old quote, uh, if, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it, you know, that kind of concept. Now, we, we think about, okay, what's the value of knowing history? You learn history, you learn the mistakes made, you learn the, the patterns that happen, 
human behavior. You, you learn signs to look for you. You learn humanity so that then you can apply humanity to the next instance, the next, next situation, and hopefully have a different outcome because you you've been able to ward off the issues or the failures. This, and, and you look at your, your process, your process is really the scientific method. Okay. Go out, learn from work, do work, fail at your job in, in not, not like just fail, but, but we all go through failures. We, we, we come back and then we mentor those failures. We say, okay, here's, here's where you can improve that. Here's where you can change that. Now go back out and try again. And, and I like that, that analogy of sports, like is you, you're trying to apply what you've learned in practice on the field or the court, the next game, a game is really a test. It's a test of everything you've learned in practice. And then you go back and you, you learn to fix some mistakes and you, hopefully you do better the next game. You know? And, and so I love that approach. It's, it, it, how long have you been putting this school together and, and kind of where are you at in this process with the whole thing? Well, the school is, you know, it's open for enrollment now, but we won't officially begin until fall. However, I do cool. have a beta group here locally that's getting spooled up this summer. So they will have kind of been started a little bit earlier because um, I like doing it face to face. I wish I could see every kid face to face. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is you said, you know, it, it, it feels good to hear you say, you know, to recognize that this is the scientific method and this, <laughs> this is what our education system does. You would never teach a sport and say to kids, all right, we're going to study, you know, um, I actually know nothing about soccer. I didn't even grow up with it, but I know it's the most popular sport now. Um, sure. But we're going to talk about it for 18 or 22 plus years. And then, you know, you'll get out there and you'll see how it works. Sure. <laughs> It's absurd. Right. You know, we're not going to give you a ball yet. Uh, so, um, you know, I think part of what's going to be tricky about spreading this message for parents is they want to hear me give them a paint by numbers and has been telling them they should expect. And yeah. I can't tell you what Aaron's first breakdown is. So I'm not going to tell you that he's going to go from module two to module three to module four because life doesn't work that way. What I can tell you is that we have hundreds of hours of micro lessons about every possible relevant breakdown and opportunity that happens in life and business. And mm -hmm. those micro lessons aren't going to matter a whit to Aaron until they happen to him. Yeah. I, I, the, what I appreciate that I'm hearing is the thoroughness with which you're approaching this. Um, because it could be very easy for somebody to say, well, we're, we're setting up a school and it's, it's a on, uh, uh, on the fly mentor basis, you know, I've, I'm just mentoring, but you've, you've obviously done a lot of work and due diligence in figuring out, okay, what is Aaron going to come across and, and what are the possible scenarios? What are the issues? What are the things that, that, Aaron will most often deal with how do we deal with this? How do we teach him through it and then put him back into the game, learn new mistakes, learn new successes, figure those out. And, and so I appreciate that it's, it's much more uh, uh, comprehensive hands-on than a lot of people probably would first give good, give glance to something like this. Yeah. Right. And, 
uh, boy. Um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought, but I wanted to share some. So I'll give you a, 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 a future vision for an Aaron. Right. So by the time Aaron's 18, um, I had the same experience with college, by the way. Um, I was actually I'm not last Yeah. No. Uh, and I'm hearing it more and more. People are starting to be on. I only did it. Be- you know what? I admire some of the kids today who were at least thinking otherwise. Yeah. Bring me to dare say, I don't want to go to college because you know, I'm 55 years old that back when that happened, you'd have been an idiot. Um, at least in terms of how people would have seen you. And I, Mm -hmm. I can honestly tell you as an adult that I wasted four years in a pile of money. That is not to say there was zero value there. There was. It's just that the ROI wasn't even remotely there. I mean, four years of your life is a big, big decision, and not to mention the money. So when an Aaron gets to 18, if, if, if I would expect him to be so mature and well thought by that point that if he does go to college, he's going, to, he's going for a very good reason. He's really thought through the whole ROI. And he's not going to screw around. He's going to go mine it for what he said he was going there to do. And there aren't many kids who go to college and actually do that. We, we tell the story, you know, but it, it, it's not what happens. Um, now, the other scenario, so he goes to college and then kind of goes back to hopefully doing what I taught him and didn't get screwed up there, which is why I don't really <laughs> necessarily think college is a good idea. But... Here's something I don't think many parents know. Every single community has a pile of really good small businesses, you know, five to a couple few hundred employees. And every single one of those businesses has a position that's open, but not posted. And that position is would directly probably directly report to the owner or be very close to them because Every small business person, myself included, ever has needed, has said, gosh, if I could just find a kid like that, Aaron. Yeah. And that happened to me completely by accident. I I grew up commercial fishing. I commercial fished after college because there was no way I was going to earn as much money doing anything else as I was fishing. (laughs) And a really successful businessman in our harbor, um, I got to talk. I didn't actually know how amazing he was at the time. Yeah. And I, I asked a brilliant question and it was by accident. Could I ever come and see what you do? I, this is gold parents. Anyone who's listening. Right. That's all I said. He said, sure. Now what was supposed to be a simple little mentorship lunch turned into an afternoon tour of his kingdom. A few months later, I come back to shore and I have a message on my answering machine. He's saying, Toby, Palmer Davenport. I need, I want to talk to you. You know, I, he was the kind of guy, like, if he said, go do that, you just did. I mean, yeah. and I went and saw him at his office. He said, um, I, I want to give you a job. And so he had a really big closet that was adjacent to his office and company, among other things. They took the door off, out the closet, put a desk, and he said, I want you to hear every conversation I have. And this guy, wow. he put me through flight school. I went through contractor school. Um, you know, I'm flying all around New England. They've got, 
he had like seven hotels. He had, he had thousands of apartments. He had an alarm company, a fence company, a telephone company, a real estate company, construction company. And he just ran me through everything you could. It was unbelievable what he gave me. And I got that job because I did not strategically. I wasn't that smart, but somewhere I learned oh, to be as dramatic as that. But a single small business has room for a young guy, you know, guy or gal to go help them. They just do. And so sending your kid to college so that they can leave their hometown so that they can go work for one of those big brick buildings with a fancy logo on the corner. I I can't say emphatically enough how not to go do that. (laughs) Because it's you're, you're just going into a commodity mill. You're never going to meet the leader. You're going to be underappreciated. You're going to be stuck in a cube. You get in a side of a company like I'm describing, you're going to have direct access to the leadership, which is direct access to mentorship and incredible learning and opportunities. And did I say college in any of that? <laughs> no. And that's I. what I love about that story and something I, I said with our, our last guest that we had on is, is and I'll, I'll say this ad nauseum because it's so true, I really believe you are the average of the five people around you. And, and so you, you, you got in close and had real world experience with somebody who is very high level and you saw his vision. And, and it expanded your vision of what was possible and right. just the beauty of him coming alongside you and putting his arm around you saying, I am going to teach you everything you need to know. Like the fact that somebody said, I want you to hear every conversation I have is somebody who knows deeply how to mentor, disciple and train up somebody to see things the way they do. And I think that's that's one of the biggest steps is getting people to see bigger and, and to understand, I mean, if, if you never hang around billionaires, you'll never have a billionaire's mindset. And, and right. not that, that being a billionaire is always the goal, but a billionaire like Elon Musk, the guy has vision. And, yeah. and the, the kid who goes to college and gets their communications degree and they end up sitting in a cubicle at, at Techco, you know, filling out reports, just can't have that vision because he – he's walled in. He, he doesn't see anything from that perspective, but guaranteed the guy who's next to Elon Musk every single day is seeing like, I could see how we could colonize Mars. <laughs> yeah. Mars. You're thinking too small. I'm moving out a few planets. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's true. And you know, every parent has different gifts, right? Um, my, my dad was a salesman, and I remember one of my best friends, his dad worked for the town maintenance crew, and he could weld and fix any engine, and he built his son a go-kart, and I was so jealous. Cool. <laughs> uh, so every parent has got all different kinds, and my dad gave me lots of great perspective from a completely different pers- you know, way that my friend didn't get from his dad, right? And I think what I hope parents will do is just say, you know, I want my child to be around someone who has that perspective so that they can help them broaden their visions because, you know, maybe my career didn't go the way I wanted it to, or I'm not exactly where I'd love to be right now, but we've got children and a mortgage and now's not the time to try to just completely turn things over. Right. And I think we have to be, uh, 
you know, humble as parents and find great teachers for our kids in the areas where they need it. Yeah. And that it, it really does start with that idea of education. And, and I think that's what this whole conversation boils down to is, is active education for whether young man or young woman. Um, and, and I think it does our young men a lot more service if especially their father is involved actively in, in training them up. And the cool thing is if you're a welder, it doesn't mean that your kid has to be a welder, but your kid will still learn active lessons uh, to apply to their own life. You know? When you can learn things like learn to weld, learn some carpentry, learn to do run some equipment, learn just different things, even if you never ever go do them professionally per se, it, it broadens your ability about what you now know you're capable of. I mean, I do this with my daughters all the time because I, I just want them to have a belief that, okay, this new scary thing um, is not the same as the last scary thing I did, but I, I've increased my tolerance. <laughs> and I think, you know, if I could do that, I probably could do this. I mean, that's what you want to have start connecting. But, you know, so many kids have done so few things that um, I could see how it would really hurt their confidence. And that's, that's how confidence is built, right? It is, is, is experience. Um, but you know, the typical suburban kid, like, I mean, what are you going to do? Chances are you're, you're just going car to mall to school to sport to back to the house. And, you know, it's you're you, you can be pretty limited i mean yeah. your kids a lot of these kids today are they're not building tree houses they're not running around the woods they're not uh, you know all the things that uh we used to do before we got so densely populated right and and at risk of attacking a cliche you know it, it's not that you can't ever play a video game but if a kid's going home and playing video games for four hours and watching tv for another two hours and then going to bed and you know that's that's what life consists of there's no yeah. there's no testing um and it that's where confidence is made that's where where the metal of a person is made is through that testing through that stretching um and one of the things that i i try to do with my son and and you look as a parent, you're like, man, I could always do better. But one of the things that I've tried to do actively is teach him how to find solutions to problems um, because it, it becomes fun to solve problems. Uh, you you yeah. see something, you go, okay, how can I solve this? What can I do? What tools do I have around me? And not just the hammer and the saw, but you know, I, I, I liken it to the whole MacGyver idea, <laughs> like, you know, make, make a nuclear reactor with a paperclip and a rubber band. Like no you, there's yeah there's 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 tools at your at your hand that you never would have thought of which which is a whole concept of creativity and the more we can teach our kids this this mindset of opportunity this mindset of there is a solution you can find this mindset of of creativity this mindset of of seeking out new challenges um that confidence gets built in there you know and i i'm sure the, the living situation you have, your children, I have a vast, wide array of opportunities um, it, to it, learn and grow it, into. It's incredible what our daughters are doing. <laughs> <laughs> How old are your daughters? Uh, 13 and 14. Oh, man. I, I bet they're, they're tearing up your property, <laughs> just yeah, doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. 
It's very cool. That's awesome. Um, so any, uh, here's what I'd like to do. And this is usually what I do with guests is for our listeners, our viewers, what's kind of your last word of, of instruction, inspiration, wisdom for them. Um, and once you do that, then, then we'll, we'll remind people where they can get your stuff, where they can, they can sign up for the school, that kind of thing. Um, but one last word of just wisdom, instruction, thought, uh, that you think the listener, the viewer needs to know. Well, you know, we're all lamenting with each other the unraveling of America. We're pulling our hair out every day, <laughs> looking at the news. Um, and, you know, yeah, we got to go vote better. But the really the only way we're going to turn America is by raising a remarkable generation. We're literally at a point in history where 80 years from the Revolutionary Civil War, 80 years from the Civil War to the World War II, and we're now just, we're 78 years now. I mean, we are unraveling. We are at approaching a crisis i don't know exactly what it's going to be um but so there's that really huge level reason why we have to do something but i think if you take it straight back to home like your own little you know your own world we know there's this massive imbalance and we know by looking at the youth of america that the way we've been parenting and educating and not just in the last 10 years for the last 100 it's been declining um we know how this got here. And so if we don't want our children to end up like that, we have to do something differently. And I just implore parents to not think that, oh, that's just the other kids. Yeah. This is happening to kids that are Christian, that went to good parents, intact families, good colleges, the whole bit. It is happening to them. And, you know, my, my family has been wrecked by this woke thing. Um, and everyone I speak with has lost at least a sibling or a cousin or somebody that's just gone off the deep end. And so if you've got four kids and you think all four of them are going to get through this unscathed without taking massive action, I think you're not being honest with yourself. And I know that's not a happy thing to say, but it's the truth. It's very true. And I, I appreciate that because I, I don't think people realize that, that it, I don't, I don't want to speak ill or, or fear, but you got to be proactive because you're not safe. You run on autopilot, you're going to run into trouble. Right? So I, I appreciate that. So uh, last thing, where can people get your latest book and, and go ahead um, and plug that and then how people can sign up for the school? Yeah. Well, so Freedom Sense, got to get in front of the camera here is available on Amazon. It's uh, audio, Kindle, paperback, so easy. It's a short read. It's um, even a medium reader like me is going to do it in under two hours. Um, so it gets right to the point. Um, and, you, you know, we're, you can enroll at the school at thefreedomupschool.com. Um, school doesn't officially open till after Labor Day, so anyone who signs up between now and then, we've got a really special deal and it won't just apply 15 year old and a nine year old i'm grandfathering your whole family forever right so if you've got other kids behind them they're all going to get this deal if they do it before we open on you know basically after labor day and awesome. so um, the deal won't stay as good as that so i would i would encourage parents to not only just take advantage of that but just don't wait the sooner your child starts this kind of an education all they got to do is work three hours a week. That's it. They'll, I'm sure, escalate over the years. But 
you won't believe the transformation in your child if they start having learning that's directly connected to actual doing. And what's the age range for the school? 12. I think 12 is, I mean, if you think you have an exceptionally mature 11 year old, go for it. But I think 12 is the year that, you know, psychologists and historians agree something happens right around there. And that's when it's time to start becoming a young boy or, you know, a young man and a young woman and start that process. And that's a whole other conversation, the whole rite of passage <laughs> and all of that. So, so we'll have you back on to talk about that side of things at some point. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Toby, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you coming on. Well, you're welcome. And thank you for having me. I appreciate the work you guys are doing. Thank you. Same to you. So, all right. You have a great day, brother. You too. Have safe travels. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. So guys, uh, what more to say? I mean, that's, and, and what I think is amazing about it is, is Toby is, is taking what he's learned and experienced and, and putting that forward and, and putting it back into the world. And that's something that, that Massey and I, obviously we, we say over and over and over again is like, what's, what's your lane? What's your purpose? What, what can you do as your drive forward? Um, how can you, uh, activate yourself and put into the world? And he's doing it. Toby, Toby is, is mentoring young people to grow up and be productive members of society and, and put their skills and attributes forward and build a confidence and an identity that is very rare in today's world. And so it, it honestly gets easier um, because the light shines when the darkness is darker, right? It, there's a bigger contrast. Your children will really, really uh, uh, show themselves approved <laughs> compared to everybody else when, when they're finding identity. And that's, that's not Toby's words. Those are my words, right? That's my opinion. But you, when you fulfill... Uh, you, you're showing people a way forward. And as your children become fully invested in who they are in a good way, um, it becomes a light for other people and can help lead other people. And so you may be starting a movement just by your son or daughter taking up this type of program. So guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for your support. Don't forget to check out all of our stuff. I, I, I can say it ad nauseum. Don't forget to check out the blog though. Please do leave your comments. We do have comment sections on that. And if you have ideas of what you want us to talk about, you, you have news stories, go ahead and send those in. Um, I set up a new email address because I was having some issues with mine. Self-evident pod or self-evident ministries podcast at gmail.com all one word self-evident ministries podcast at gmail.com go ahead uh send in your thoughts to that send in your content your your bits your whatever you want us to talk about your questions concerns if you're in california we will see you this weekend otherwise guys have a great week and we will see you later love you guys